We are in Second Chronicles, the 23rd chapter tonight. Let me just remind you what, what has taken place just prior to this, because this is one of those rather um, interesting times. And, you know, so often when we, when we look at these biblical characters and we see choices they've made that have been really positive choices and, and wrong choices they make and see the consequences of the wrong choices, um, there's just so much that we learn from. And, and Paul brings that out in, in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, when he said all these things that happened to the Israelites were examples for us. They, they were set to teach us, um, they were recorded, to teach us so that we wouldn't fall into the same things they fell into and we wouldn't, we wouldn't end up um, falling into idolatry like they fell into idolatry and into immorality like they fell into immorality and we're learning from them and uh, we're going to learn tonight about, uh, about Josiah and I, I think there's some things here that, that will really um, kind of speak to us and, and help keep us on course. And now just remember that, that prior to this, um, Athaliah the mother of Ahaziah, who was king of Judah. Now, when Ahaziah became king, he, the first thing that he did was he eliminated all the competition. He had all of his brothers put to death. So he was it. Well, when he died, um, Athaliah, his mama, killed all of his seed. And there was one young boy, Joash, who was, you know, infant age, that was hidden away and... Um, has now been been in secret for for about seven years and we're going to see how all of this comes out now father we thank you for your word and as we look at second chronicles chapter 23 we just ask your blessing to rest upon your word and help us to hear god more than just historical accounts help us to hear your voice speaking to us and showing us things and and putting your finger on areas of our lives and saying that you really needed to hear that tonight that was just for you and God, I just thank you that every time I open your word, that's what you do. You just put your finger on my heart and say, oh, did you notice that? Did you see that? Reread that. That's for you. And that's what we want, Lord. We want some of those, some of those that's for you moments tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Joash at this time is the only surviving son of Ahaziah who was king. Uh, uh, if you want to know kind of where we are um, in, in historical figures, we are about 835 years before the birth of Jesus. In the seventh year of Jehoiada, seventh year, Jehoiada strengthened himself and made a covenant with the captains of hundreds, Azariah, the son of Jehoram, Ishmael, the son of Jehanan, Azariah, the son of Obed, Maasai, the son of Adiah, Elishaphat, the son of Zikri. Now, um, Jehoiada, you will remember, was the priest, okay? And he was the priest and... It was um, King Jehoram's wife that hid this child, and it was her child, and um, Jehoiada was her brother, the priest. So um, he has taken jo um, Joash into the temple of God and has hid him there for these years. So now he's in the seventh year, so he's seven years old. And so... Um, Jehoiada makes a, a covenant with all the captains of the, of the army. There's five of them there. And uh, he said, you know, we are, we are going to overthrow this woman who's ruling over us and put the right king in, its, in her place. And they went throughout all Judah and gathered the Levites from all the cities of Judah and the chief fathers of Israel, and they came to Jerusalem. Then all the assembly made a covenant with the king in the house of God. And he said to them, Behold, the king's son shall reign as the Lord has said 
of the sons of David. So Jehoiada says, the time has come, and, and he gets the Levites together because he knew that what they were about to do was a treacherous act against the person that was ruling at that time who really didn't have a right to rule. Okay? But at the same time, she's the one in control of the army. She's the one in control of everything. And so Jehoiada gathers the Levites together and says, you know, you guys are loyal to God and we're counting on your loyalty right now because God has said that it would be a, a seed of David that would reign over the house of Israel and that's not happening right now. So they make this covenant. And so this is what you shall do, verse 4. This is the plan. One-third of you entering on the Sabbath of the priests and the Levites shall be keeping watch over the doors. One-third shall be at the king's house, and one-third shall be at the gate of the fountain. All the people shall be in the courts of the house of the Lord. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to create this incredible buffer zone. And the, um, in fact, the priests that are going off right then, their, their time is up in that morning, they are going to stay there. The the ship that is coming to relieve them, they are going to stay there. They're going to, you know, come and join them. And we're going to have one-third of all of the Levites at the temple. One-third um, are, are going to be at the palace. And one-third are going to be at the, um, at the main gate, the gate of the fountain. And everyone else is going to be scattered out through the, uh, the courts of the house of the Lord. But let no one come into the house of the Lord except the priest and those of the Levites who serve. They may go in, for they are holy, but all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. So we're going to make sure this is, the, this is the, the last surviving seed, and we need to make sure nothing happens to him. We've got to protect this young man because this young man really is our future. And the Levites shall surround the king on all sides, every man with his weapons in his hand. And whoever comes into the house, let him be put to death. You are to be with the king when he comes in and when he goes out. So the Levites are going to be the, the secret service here, okay? They're going to be there with their swords out, their spears out, their, their lances out, their knives out. They're going to be there fully armed. And their whole duty is to protect the king. Anyone comes into the house of the Lord, anyone comes near, just put him to death. No questions asked, just do it. So the Levites and all Judah did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded. And each man took his men who were to be on duty on the Sabbath with those who were going off duty on the Sabbath. For Jehoiada the priest had not dismissed the division. So usually Jehoiada as, as the priest, he would dismiss everyone, say, okay, you go home, here the next cruise group is coming in, the next crew that's going to be working is coming in, and this time he didn't dismiss them, so they're still there, and the other group comes in. That was all part of the plan. But Jeho And Jehoiada the priest gave to the captains of hundreds the spears and large and small shields which had belonged to King David that were in the temple of God. Then he set all the people, every man with his weapon in his hand, from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple, along by the altar and by the temple all around the king. And they brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, and gave him the testimony and made him king. And when it talks about giving the testimony, he was given a copy of the law of Moses. The first five books of the Bible, he was given a copy of. So that was part of, of the king's, the king's uh, proper way of, of becoming king was that he had to have the scripture. In fact, the Old Testament tells, or the book of Deuteronomy tells us that one of the first things a king has to do when he becomes king is to write the law out in his own hand and have it there as a personal reference for the rest of the time that he is reigning. Well, you know, this young man can't even write yet, so we're giving him a copy of the law. So they put the crown on him, they uh, give him a, uh, the testimony of the, of the law, and they made him king. Then Jehoiada and his sons anointed him 
poured the oil on his head, and said, Long live the king. Now when Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king, she came to the people in the temple of the Lord. When she looked, there was the king standing by his pillar at the entrance, and the leaders and the trumpeters were by the king. All the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets, also the singers with musical instruments and those who led praise. So Athaliah tore her clothes and said, Treason, treason! And Jehoiada the priest brought out the captains of the hundreds who were set over the army and said to them, Take her outside under guard and slay with the sword whoever follows her. For the priest had said, Do not kill her in the house of the Lord. So they seized her, and she went by way of the entrance to the horse gate into the king's house, and they killed her there. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself, the people, and the king that they should be the Lord's people. And so when Jehoiada makes a, a covenant, he's making an oath, and he's giving an oath to the people, he's giving an oath to the king, he's taking an oath himself as a spiritual leader, and, and the king as the uh, political leader, and the people as, as the people of the Lord. And so it was really a renewal of, of their commitment to the Lord, of their covenant with God, and realizing that, you know, for these years that... Uh, that Athaliah has been in charge, we have not been the people of God. In fact, we're going to read some of the things she did, because look at verse 17. And all the people went into the temple of Baal and tore it, tore it down. They broke in pieces its altars and images and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. So, the, again, because Athaliah was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, and Jezebel, you remember, was kind of the the head of that family, and she was the one who led the northern kingdom of Israel into Baal worship. It was her daughter now who was ruling over the southern kingdom, and she did the same thing. She brought in um, the, the articles that had been dedicated to the Lord. She robbed the temple, brought them into the temple of Baal, had the temple of Baal as the most important worship place in the land of Judah. And so when she's dead, then of course they go to the temple of Baal and, and destroy it as well. Verse 18, also Jehoiada appointed the oversight of the house of the Lord to the hand of the priests, the Levites, whom David had assigned in the house of the Lord to offer the burnt offerings of the Lord as it is written in the law of Moses with rejoicing and singing as it was established by David. So everything that David had established, the worship, the, the way the Levites would serve, the, the rounds of service, that all of that was reinstituted. So finally, they're getting spiritually back on track here. Wonderful stuff. And he set the gate, gatekeepers at the gates of the house of the Lord so that no one who was in any way unclean should enter. Then he took the captains of hundreds, the nobles, the governors of the people, and all the people of the land, and brought the king down from the house of the Lord, and they went through the upper gate to the king's house, and they set the king on the throne of the kingdom. So all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet, for they had slain Athaliah with the sword. Okay, they got rid of this wicked woman, and there is joy, and there is peace. You caught that, right? They rejoiced, and the city was quiet. Finally, there is peace in the city again, okay? And, and that's you know, one, of the, one of the ways that you recognize when, when there's an ungodly leader is there's just strife, there's just trouble, and God brings peace when those that he wants in charge are in charge. Chapter 24, Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba. 
Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And look at this next phrase. All the days of Jehoiada, the priest. Okay, now, there, there's one thing about uh, Joash's personality that, that we need to recognize. Joash had a little bit of a weakness. And the weakness that Joash had was that he was very easily influenced. And fortunately, this early part of his life, he was influenced by Jehoiada, the priest, which was a wonderful thing. And so, you know, verse 2 says, you know, Joash did what was right inside the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. And Jehoiada took two wives for him, and he had sons and daughters. Now, again, it was important, this is the last seed, okay? This is the last descendant of David. So we've got to make sure that things are carried on here. So he took two wives for him so that he would make sure that there were, there were sons and daughters that were born to him. Now, it happened after this that Joash set his heart on repairing the house of the Lord. So he, you know, the, the first you know, seven years of his life, in essence, he was raising the house of the Lord. He was protecting the house of the Lord. His, the, the mentor in his life since his father was dead was Jehoiada, who was probably old enough to be his grandfather. And, and Jehoiada was, was just pouring into him and teaching him the law and teaching him the word. And what's wonderful at this point is we see him developing this relationship with God himself. And he has set his heart on repairing the house of the Lord. That was something he wanted to do, not something that Jehoiada said that he should do, but this is what he wanted to do. Then he gathered the priests and the Levites and said to them, go out to the cities of Judah and gather from all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year and see that you do it quickly. So this is something I just want it done. I want it done now. However, the Levites did not do it quickly. Now, why didn't they respond to the king's command? Probably because the king is still fairly young when he makes this command. And how much weight did the king, you know, how much power did, did the king sway compared to how much power did the priest Jehoiada sway? And it wasn't Jehoiada's idea, because up until now, Jehoiada's been, been the one bossing all the Levites around and bossing the, the, the priests around. And now the king is saying, hey, this is what you guys need to do. And um, they didn't do it quickly. So the king called Jehoiada the chief priest, and said to him, Why have you not required the Levites to bring in from Judah and from Jerusalem the collection according to the commandment of Moses, a servant of the Lord, and of the assembly of Israel for the tabernacle of witness? So this kind of goes back to, uh, to Exodus, the 30th chapter. In Exodus chapter 30, the Lord talked about the temple tax. And the temple tax was a half shekel, not much, okay? It was one-fifth of an ounce of silver that, was, that each male had to pay. And that went to the upkeep of the temple, the upkeep of the, of the tabernacle. And so this was started with Moses. And, we, you know, we don't know if, if, um, if these Levites were, were even collecting it anymore, if it you know, kind of became, oh, we don't want to do that, or if they were collecting it and pocketing the money. We're not sure here, okay? But... Um, um, Joash said specifically, I want this money, this desert. Now, we're not talking about the tithe and everything else. We're talking about the temple tax, that one-fifth of an ounce of silver once a year that all the males are to give for the support of the, of the temple of God. I just want that put into the temple. For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken into the house of God and had also presented all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord to the Baals. So they had gone in and actually, you know, tore up the temple, broke into the temple, 
um, vandalized the temple and took out the valuables and took them over to the, the temple of Baal. Then at the king's command, they made a chest and set it outside at the gate of the house of the Lord. So the king says, all right, you guys, I don't know what's going on with the money. I don't know if you're collecting it. I don't know if you're pocketing it. I don't know if you're you know, using it to buy Starbucks or what's going on here. But we are going to set up a chest, and everybody that comes drops their money in the chest. And guess what? We're going to have a lock on the chest so you priests can't get into the money. Good move. Okay. And they made a proclamation, verse 9, throughout Judah and Jerusalem to bring to the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of the Lord, of God, pardon me, had imposed on Israel in the wilderness. Then all the leaders and all the people rejoiced, brought their contributions, and put them into the chest until all had given. So it was at that time when the chest was brought to the king's official by the hand of the Levites, and when they saw that there was very much, that there was, that there was much money, that the king's scribe and the high priest's officer came and emptied the chest, took it, and returned it to its place. Thus they did day by day and gathered money in abundance. Okay? So people were not just giving the little, the little one-fifth of, a, of, an, of an ounce of silver. The people were excited about this, and they started giving big time, so much that they had to empty this thing every single day. The Levites still had a part in it. They carried the full chest over so that the treasurer could open it and they could count it and then they would take the empty chest back. So the Levites weren't touching the money. It was locked. They had no key and it would go on day by day because the people were giving money in abundance. Then, uh, verse 12, the king and Jehoiada gave it to those who did the work of the service of the house of the Lord and they hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord and also brought those who worked in iron and bronze to restore the house of the Lord. So the workmen labored and the work was completed by them. They restored the house of God to its original condition and reinforced it. And there's a rather interesting statement that is made in, in the book of Kings regarding this. And that's that they gave this money to these guys and they didn't ask for an accounting. Because the men, the construction workers, the foremen of, these, of this job... These guys were so meticulous and they were so dedicated and they were so um, committed to serving God and doing things the right way that the priests didn't even need accounting from them. Okay? We had the Levites who were pocketing money. We didn't know where the money was going. Okay? But here are these guys that are outside of the ministry and they are more honest than the preachers. Uh, go figure. <laughs> Look at verse 14. When they had finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada. They brought him the change, okay? They didn't just pocket it and say, hey, you know, all of this, this is a whole bunch of extra money that was brought in. They brought it back to the king. They brought it back to the high priest Jehoiada. And they made from it articles for the house of the Lord, articles for serving and offering spoons and vessels of gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. Wow, how incredible is that? Okay, so there is a, there's a, a spiritual revival that has gone on for, the, for these years, um, exciting times, people, you know, willing to give, willing to sacrifice, wanting to see something incredible done for God and, and willing to, you know, kind of put their money where their mouth is. And, and then you just see all of these incredible repairs and all this great stuff. And there's so much money left over that they were able to basically furnish the temple of the Lord and as well as pay for burnt offerings. And all of this continues all the days of Jehoiada, verse 15. But Jehoiada grew old and was full of days, and he died. He was 130 years old, 
when he died. What a guy. What, what a godly man. What a, what a man of integrity who, who personally oversaw the, the preservation and protection not only of the nation but of this very young king when he was brought to the house of the Lord, keeping him and protecting him and, and making sure that the, the nation realized this is in fact their king and, and he's the one that chose his wives and just had so much impact on his life. And they buried him in the city of David. And notice where they buried him. They didn't bury him among the priests. They buried him among the kings because he had done good in Israel both toward God and his house. What, what a guy. Incredible. Verse 17. Now after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah came and bowed down to the king. And the king listened to them. Therefore they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served wooden images and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. Uh, you read this and it just breaks your heart. I mean, here Jehoiada had done such an incredible job of pointing the nation the right direction. Joash at this time had to be, you know, a, you know he reigned for 47 years and and he wasn't a kid any longer when Jehoiada died. And, and yet he is just so easily influenced by these others who had this enlightened view of things. You know, we don't have to just serve the Lord God. There are other gods. Have you heard about the other gods? Maybe we need to just investigate the other religions. Maybe we need to find out what the other religions are that are around us and, 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 do, and just explore and see how... how that worship feels compared to the worship of the Lord. I mean, I, I look at this and I just see an open-minded believer. Okay? I'm just an open-minded believer. I'm open. You know, there are many ways to God. And I'm not going to say that somebody that's serving an idol is, is somehow missing out. Maybe they have an, a different route than we have, but we're all after the same God. No, they're not. Okay? They're worshiping idols of wood. That's their God. Our God is a living God who fills heaven and earth, the one who's all-powerful and all in control. And there they are saying, oh, well, maybe these gods are better. Maybe we need to check them out. I mean, it's almost hilarious. You know, come on. I mean, Jehoiada... It doesn't say it here, but trust me. And at this point, Jehoiada rolled over in his grave. Okay? Uh, the, yet he sent prophets to them. To, and, and that's the way God is. When you are doing wrong, God, God barricades your way. Okay? When you make some raunchy choices in your life and you decide, you know, I'm not going to do it God's way this time. I'm going to go ahead and take it in my own hands. I'm going to do my own thing. God will send you warning after warning after warning after warning. Okay? And you'll notice right here, he sent his prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord. And they testified against them, but they would not listen. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah. Now, who is Zechariah? Look, the son of Jehoiada the priest, who stood above the people, and said to them, Thus says God, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he also has forsaken you. All right, there's a wake-up call. We've got Jehoiada's son, Zechariah, who is standing up and saying, Hey, you need to understand that you have forsaken God, and therefore God has forsaken you, and things are not going to go well with you economically. God, things are not going to go well with you spiritually. Things are not going to go well with you militarily. You're on the losing end of everything now because you've forsaken God. He has forsaken you. And the people said, You're so right. Well, not exactly. 
verse 21 says, so they conspired against him. And at the command of the king, at the command of the king, they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Jehoiada's son, this is the way Joash repays jo the, the family of Jehoiada. Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but killed his son. And as he died, he said, the Lord look on it and repay. So it happened in the spring of the year that the army of Syria came up against him and they came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the leaders of the people from among the people and sent all their spoil to the king of Damascus. So they, they come in and they overthrow the city and they carry away the, the valuables and, and send it back to the, the king of Damascus. For the army of the Syrians came with a small company of men, but the Lord delivered a very great army into their hand because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. So they executed judgment against Joash. Now notice who had the big army here. Judah had the big army. Okay? Judah had the big army, and they were defeated by this small group that came from Syria. Why were they so easily defeated? We're told there. Because they had forsaken the Lord. And when they had withdrawn from him, uh, so, they, so they executed judgment against Joash. And when they had withdrawn from him, for they left him severely wounded, his own servants conspired against him because of the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest and killed him on his bed, so he died. And they buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. They didn't bury him where, where Jehoiada was buried, they buried him in the city, but it was not in a noble place. These are the ones who conspired against him. Zabad, the son of Shemith, the Ammonitus, Jehoshabad, the son of Shimri, the Moabitus. Now concerning his sons and the many oracles about him and the repairing of the house of God, indeed they are written in the annals of the books of the kings. Then Amaziah, his son, reigned in his place. So now we have Amaziah coming and reigning in the place of, of uh, Joash. Verse 20, chapter 25. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehodadan of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. Okay? He did the right things externally, but it didn't flow from here. It wasn't from the heart. It was just doing the right things. It, just an external religion is what the guy had. Now it happened as soon as the kingdom was established for him that he executed his servants who had murdered his father, the king. However, he did not execute their children, but did as, it is, as is written in the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, saying, The fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall the children be put to death for their fathers, but a person shall die for his own sins. So those, those that had, had, um, had murdered his, his father, they paid with their lives. However, he didn't wipe out all their families. Moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together and set over them captains of thousands and captains of hundreds according to their father's houses throughout all Judah and Benjamin. And he numbered them from 20 years old and above and found them to be 300,000 choice men able to go to war who could handle spear and shield. Okay, so he, he's 
organized an army here, and he has organized this army of 300,000 men. They're all, you know, over 20 years of age, 20 years and above, and they are able, strength, have enough strength to go to war. He also hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel for 100 talents of silver, or for three and three-quarter tons of silver, he hired 100,000 Israelite mercenaries. So he let the word be known that if you want a job, come down and we'll put you to, to work in our army. And 100,000 men came from Israel down into Judah, and they were going to fight alongside of, of the people of Judah. But a man of God came to him saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the children of Ephraim. But if you go, be gone, be strong in battle. Even so, God shall make you fall before the enemy, for God has power to help and to overthrow. So as this prophet who comes and gives this warning, okay? And he said, now you understand that if you, if you bring those Israelites in, that the Israelites are all into, into pagan worship, and because of them being with your army, God's not going to bless your army. And, you know, you're doing the right things in the sight of the Lord. They're not. And there's, a, there's judgment that's going to come upon them. And if you become yoked with them, guess what? That judgment's coming upon you. You don't want that. Okay? Then Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do about the hundred talents with which I've given the troops of Israel? I mean, I'm going to be out three and three-quarter tons of silver here. Okay? I've spent a lot of money bringing these guys here. The man of God answered, The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Don't worry about what you spent. Okay? God is able to bless you abundantly. Just get out of the covenant. Just send those guys home. Send them packing. You don't want them with your army. So Amaziah discharged the troops that had come to him from Ephraim to go back home. Therefore, their anger was greatly aroused against Judah, and they returned home in great anger. I mean, they got paid. They didn't get stiffed. They got their money, but the way they were treated just angered them. Then Amaziah strengthened himself, and leading his people, he went into the Valley of Salt and killed 10,000 of the people of Seir. Also, the children of Judah took captive 10,000 alive, brought them to the top of the rock, and cast them down from the top of the rock so that they were all dashed in pieces. Wow, okay, there's a visual for you. Okay, they killed 10,000 out in, in open battle. They, they wound up with 10,000 more captives, and they led them up on a hill and threw them off a cliff. One at a time. Okay. As for the soldiers of the army which Amaziah had discharged, the guys from Ephraim, the guys from the northern kingdom, so that they would not go with them to battle, they raided the cities of Judah from Samaria to Beth Horon, killed 3,000 in them, and took much spoil. So these guys said, you don't want us to fight with you? We'll show you a thing or two. And so they went and attacked the cities of Judah and killed people there and looted them. Now it was, it was so, after Amaziah came from the slaughter of the Edomites, that he brought the gods of the people of Seir, set them up to be his gods, what an idiot, and bowed down before them and burned incense to them. You've got to listen to the next verse. Therefore the anger of the Lord was aroused against Amaziah, duh, and he sent him a prophet who said to him, why have you sought the gods of the people which could not rescue their own people from your hand? Why did you take the loser gods? These are loser gods! 
okay? The sign of loser gods. These are the gods that couldn't defend their own people. You brought them here and you made them your gods? Guess what that makes you? So it was, as he talked with him, that the king said to him, have we made you the king's counsel? Cease, shut up. Why should you be killed? Okay, I'm the king. Nobody talks to me the way you're talking to me. And if you don't shut up right now, you probably won't be breathing much longer. Then the prophet ceased and said, I know that God is determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not heeded my advice. Okay, I'm done. Now Amaziah, king of Judah, asked advice and sent to Joash, the son of Jehoiaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, come, let us face one another in battle. Okay, so here's the bright guy, all right? Because those 100,000 that he hired, that he paid the three and a, a quarter tons of silver to, and they weren't content with that, and they weren't content with, you know, getting this paid vacation, but they had attacked and, you know, killed 3,000 people, had robbed the cities of Judah, and had taken it home. He said, okay, we're going we're gonna to settle this right now. So he sends up to Joash, who was the son of Jehoaz, the son of Jehu, so he's the grandson of Jehu, king of Israel, and he said, okay, we need to face each other in battle. And Joash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, and he, he gives him this little parable, saying, the thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, give your daughter to my son as wife, and a wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. Indeed, you say that you have defeated the Edomites, and your heart is lifted up to boast. Stay at home now. Why should you meddle with trouble that you should fall, you and Judah, with you? Okay? You are a little sticker bush. I am a mighty cedar tree. And because you defeated this small little group, this small little nation, and you killed 10,000, and you threw 10,000 off a cliff, you little sticker bush, I've got news for you. A wild beast can step on you and squish you, okay? You don't want to pick this fight. You don't want to come out to do battle with me. I'm the cedar tree. You're the sticker bush. But Amaziah would not heed. For it came from God, just as the prophet said, right? That he might give them into the hand of their enemies because they sought the gods of Edom. So God's bringing judgment upon him. Why? Because he brought the loser gods back, set them up as his gods, said, hey, this is the true God. Okay. So Joash, king of Israel, went out, and he and, king, and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced one another at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. And Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled to his tent. Then Joash, the king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Jehoiaz, at Beth Shemesh, and he brought him to Jerusalem and broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, about 400, 400 cubits, which is 600 feet. Okay? For 600 feet of wall, they just totally destroyed that section of the wall. And he took all the gold and silver, and all the articles that were found in the house of God with Obed-Edom, the treasures of the king's house, and hostages, and returned to Samaria. 
Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Joash, the, the son of Jehoaz, king of Israel. Now, the rest of the acts of Amaziah, from first to last, indeed, are they not written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel? After the time that Amaziah turned away from following the Lord, they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. But they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there. Then they brought him on horses and buried him with his fathers in the city of Judah. Okay, the poor little sticker bush was no more. Okay, Both of the accounts we read tonight, Amaziah and Joash, people, individuals who were doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. They were making the right choices. They were going in the right direction. At some point in their lives, they started thinking for themselves and reasoning with those around them. And what happens, what happened to them is they, they just reason themselves out of God being all-powerful, God being almighty, God being God, and they just kind of got this real, this real spiritually liberal idea in their mind that, you know, it doesn't matter what gods we serve, and variety is good, and variety is the spice of life, and I got news for you, when it comes to gods, variety will take you to hell fast, okay? It, variety will destroy you and the kingdom and everyone that's associated with you, and we find that in both of these cases. Two very good men, started out very good men, went astray later in life, made the wrong choices later on, and paid for it. Father, we thank you for the words of admonition that this, these chapters have brought to us tonight, and we just thank you, God, for your faithfulness to us, and, and again, Lord, for the truth of your word that just always feeds us and always reminds us of things, and, and so often when we see things in the, in the Old Testament, we, we recognize New Testament scripture that, that come out of those or refer back to those, and, and God, again, we thank you for these examples that we have that we can look at these and we can say, don't make that choice. Don't make that decision. Don't think because you're going in the right direction today that that automatically guarantees you're going in the right direction tomorrow. But God, help us to serve you, not as Amaziah did, but to serve you with a loyal heart. Help our hearts to be loyal and to be true to you above all else. We've heard it said, above all things, to yourself be true. But in reality, above all things, we need to be true to you, God, and serve you from the heart. And help us to keep our hearts on track with you. In Jesus' name, amen.